specular reflection. That is when a incident wave hits a smooth surface and the reflective wave is a dominant wave in a single direction, meaning uh, just a single reflective or wave to an incident wave. This is opposite to non-specular reflection where uh, incident wave would hit a irregular or uh, surface that is rough and you will have multiple reflected waves in multiple directions. All of them are typically low amplitude. So incident uh, specular reflection is a reflection of the wave, typically sound wave, from a smooth surface. What is the origin of the anterior spinal artery? The anterior spinal artery arises from the bilateral vertebral body and they, the right and left vertebral body will form a single spinal artery. A branch off of this vertebral body will form the anterior spinal artery. What is the origin of the posterior inferior cerebellar artery? So bica, pica, pica arises, each pica arises from its own vertebral artery. This is in uh, distinction from the anterior inferior uh, cerebellar artery or ICA, which arises from the basilar artery. So both the right and left ICA arise from the basilar artery, where the left and uh, right pica each arise from the ipsilateral vertebral artery. Imaging features of aneurysmal bone cyst. So aneurysmal bone cyst appears as a multi-cystic lesion in children or adolescents, and it's basically blood-filled sinusoids and fibrous elements. It can arise secondary to existing tumor, and unlike simple bone cyst, aneurysmal bone cyst can be located anywhere. So again, aneurysmal bone cyst, typically multicystic lesion in children or adolescents, can be anywhere on in the bone, so central or eccentric, unlike simple bone cyst, which is central. Uh, ABC can feature buttressing or smooth periosteal reaction at the proximal and distal aspect of the lesion. And finally, uh, like small, uh, like simple bone cysts, there is fluid level on uh, MRI. Imaging features of spin or solid and papillary epithelial neoplasm. This is known as the daughter lesion. Uh, so young uh, females is the common patient. It is a large mass with heterogeneous solid and cystic areas. Hemorrhage is typical and spin features a capsule just like a mucinous cystic neoplasm. So again, spin is the daughter lesion, large mass with heterogeneous solid and cystic areas. Hemorrhage is typical in these lesions and it does have a capsule just like mucinous cystic neoplasm or the mother lesion. Hallmark of posterior circulation stroke on physical exam, ipsilateral cranial nerve deficit and contralateral motor deficit. So ipsilateral cranial deficit and contralateral motor deficit is physical finding consistent with posterior circulation stroke. Dolicoctasia of the basilar artery, basically when the basilar artery is aneurysmal or dilated. Dolicoctasia of the basilar artery. Significance of the acromiohumeral interval measuring less than 6 millimeter. This indicates a rotator cuff tear. So acromiohumeral interval 
measuring less than six millimeter is consistent with rotator cuff tear. Typically, the most common one is the supraspinatus muscle. Hereditary multiple exostosis is also known as the FSL achalasis or osteochondromatosis. Again, hereditary multiple exostosis is known as the FSL achalasis or multiple osteochondromatosis. Sorry, not multiple, osteochondromatosis. So hereditary multiple exostosis is known as the FSL achalasis or osteochondromatosis. Origin of the ascending pharyngeal artery, external carotid. First branch off of the external carotid, superior thyroid. Again, the first branch off of the external carotid, superior thyroid artery. Neonatal obstruction of the distal ileum due to abnormally thick meconium, that is meconium ileus. Up to 95% of meconium ileus patients end up having cystic fibrosis. Finally, presenting illness for uh, cystic fibrosis patient in about 10 to 20 percent of the time. So meconium ileus is the typical presentation or common presentation of up to 20 percent of cystic fibrosis patients. So it's important to have this association in mind, but 90 percent of meconium ileus patients would have cystic fibrosis. So this uh, relationship can be questioned in a tricky manner. 90% of meconium ileus patients have cystic fibrosis, and 20% of cystic fibrosis newborns will present with meconium ileus. Findings associated with highland membrane disease. So first, we got to figure out what this means. Uh, Non-specific term, but there are other names for this diagnosis, including RDS or respiratory distress syndrome, or neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, lung disease of prematurity, and surfactant deficiency disorder. I like the surfactant dis deficiency disorder name because it kind of tells us what's going on. So surfactant deficiency leads to low lung volume and will get hazy granular opacities and sometimes air bronchograms because the alveoli are not expanding. So we'll have air in the bronchi, but not in the alveoli. And so we'll get the air bronchogram appearance on x-ray structures passing through the stylomastoid foramen. We have the facial nerve and posterior auricular artery. So the structures that pass through the stylomastoid foramen include the facial nerve and the posterior auricular artery. Robson classification of RCC. Uh, so it's stages one to four, one being confined to the kidney to involvement of the perinephric fat but limited to Garota's fascia. Finally, stage three. Stage three is the most important stage and uh, it involves, uh, it's subdivided into three categories, A, B, and C. 3A involves the renal vein, 3B involves the uh, adjacent lymph nodes, and finally, stage 3C, which involves both renal vein and nodal involvement. Stage four, direct invasion of adjacent structures, and 4B, uh, distance metastasis. I think the most important stage to distinguish is stage 3 and knowing that uh, stage 3A is renal vein involvement, 3B is nodal involvement, and 3C is both renal vein and nodal involvement. Chest x-ray and CT appearance of bronchiolitis obliterans syndrome, BOS, or otherwise known as constrictive bronchiolitis. So Typically, the x-ray may be normal or show mild hyperinflation. On CT scan, we'll have 
uh, sequela of small airway obstruction, including air trapping on expiratory view, mosaic hyperperfusion, and bronchiectasis and bronchial wall thickening. Again, uh, CT findings of bronchiolitis obliteran or constrictive bronchiolitis. On X-ray, we might see finding consistent with hyperinflation, or it might be normal. CT scan will show uh, sequela of small way small airway obstruction, including air trapping on expiratory views, mosaic profusion, and uh, bronchiectasis and bronchial wall thickening. Thyroid ultrasound demonstrates diffusely nodular gland or, gland or diffusely coarsened gland without measurable nodules with characteristically thickened isthmus. If you have this appearance or these descriptions, findings are consistent with Hashimoto thyroiditis, otherwise known as chronic lymphocytic thyroiditis. So again, diffusely nodular gland, gland or diffusely coarsened gland without a measurable nodule with thickening of the isthmus. These findings are consistent with Hashimoto thyroiditis or chronic lymphocytic thyroiditis. Same thing. There is association with increased risk of thyroid lymphoma in Hashimoto thyroiditis. So any growing nodule should raise suspicion for a lymphoma. We've all been waiting for this moment. Energy for radio tracers. We'll go with four this time. Gallium has gallium 67 has multiple energy spectrums, commonly at 90, 190, 290, and 390. Indium 111, 173, and 247. Thallium 201, 69 and 81 and finally fluorine is 511 so fluorine we know it from pet scan 511 thallium 69 and 81 indium 111 173 and 247 and gallium 67 multiple energies 90 190 290 390 again gallium 67 90 190 290 390 obviously these numbers are not accurate but just to make it easy to remember Indium is indium one eleven is one seventy three and two forty seven. Thallium sixteen thallium two oh one is sixty nine and eighty one and fluorine is five eleven. One more time. Gallium sixty seven ninety one ninety two ninety three ninety. Indium one eleven one seventy three two forty seven. Thallium two oh one sixty nine and eighty one. What is the dagger sign? This is the calcification of the supraspinous ligament and is associated with ankylosing spondylitis. So Dagger's sign is calcifications of the supraspinous ligament and this is a sign for ankylosing spine spondylitis. Hepatic adenomatosis, more than 10 adenoma. The typical patient is a young, healthy female, uh, maybe on contraceptives or maybe not there might be a mild elevation of liver enzyme. Typically, patients are asymptomatic unless there is acute hemorrhage in one of the adenomas, and that's why they typically remove them. Again, hepatic adenomatosis, more than 10 adenomas. Patients are typically asymptomatic, but they might have pain due to hemorrhage, and typically young, healthy female. This is a board favorite question. A smooth muscular ridge in the superior aspect of the right atrium 
it represents the junction between the sinus venosus and the heart. Again, a smooth muscular ridge in the superior aspect of the right atrium, and it represents a junction between the junction between the sinus venosus and the heart. And the answer is crista terminalis. Please make sure you know how it looks on CT scan, as it can be easily asked. Foci of metanephric blastema that persist beyond 36 weeks of gestation in the fetus and have potential for malignant transformation into Wilms tumor. This is nephrogenic rests. Again, nephrogenic rests are foci of metanephric blastema that persist beyond 36 weeks of gestation and have the potential for malignant transformation into Wilms tumor. On ultrasound, they appear hypoechoic nodules. Uh, and that's in distinction from AML, which will appear as hyperechoic nodules. So hypoechoic nodules, in addition to the uh, age of the patient, uh, would be consistent with nephrogenic rests. Diastomatomyelia, that is when the spinal cord is divided by fluid-filled cleft and split in the cord uh, into a smaller right and a smaller left cord. So diastomatomyelia is when the Spinal cord is split into two halves. Pincushion, pincushion distortion, that is mapping of an image from a curved input screen to a flat output screen, which results in increased magnification at the image periphery as compared to the center. So pincushion pin distortion is uh, the increased magnification at the periphery of the image compared to the center when it's mapped from curved input screen into a flat output screen. Specific guidelines in the Mammography Quality Standard Act, MQSA. The interpreting physician needs to read or have read 960 mammograms in the prior 24 months. Quality control program must be in place. A phantom must be tested weekly with average glandular dose less than 3 milligrams. This is important. A phantom must be tested weekly with the average glandular dose of less than 3 milligray. For hip MRI, what is the transverse ligament? The transverse ligament is a ligament structure that connects the uh, open C-shaped labrum. So the labrum in the hip is a, uh, shaped in a C-shape with the open end of the C pointing down. Transverse acetabular ligament is the ligament that connects the C, meaning connecting the labrum into a circle. Another uh, important ligament is the uh, the ligament of the head of the femur, which, you know, this is the ligament that comes from the head of the femur and connects the femur into the uh, acetabulum. Other name for it is the round ligament. So it has multiple names. Uh, that we need to know, or ligamentum teres. So round ligament of the head of the femur, uh, ligamentum teres, are all names for the same ligament, which comes from the head of the femur. And we said the uh, transverse acetabular ligament is the ligament that connects, forms a circle with the labrum, completes the C-shape of the labrum into a circle. Types of spinal stenosis. We have central stenosis, which is stenosis of the uh, spinal canal. 
we have foraminal stenosis. Obviously, this is uh, stenosis in the foramina where the nerve root exits. And finally, lateral recess stenosis. This is where the nerve exits the spinal cord, but not reaching the foramina. So the space between the foramina and the cord, that space is the lateral recess, and you can have stenosis at that place as well. So central stenosis, foraminal stenosis, and lateral recess stenosis, or recess stenosis. Let's see if we still remember these. Energy for gallium, 90, 190, 290, 390. Energy for indium, 173 and 247, or 170 and 250. Energies for thallium, 69 and 81. And fluorine is 511. A type of anterior glenohumeral injury in which the anterior inferior labrum is torn and lifted from the edge of the glenoid but still attached to the intact and lifted periosteum from the anterior aspect of the glenoid. This is a Dankart variant and the lesion is Perthes lesion. So Perthes lesion is anterior glenohumeral injury where the anterior inferior labrum is torn and lifted from the edge of the glenoid but still is attached to the periosteum. Suspicious features of a thyroid nodule. Solid nodule is more suspicious than a cystic nodule, especially if there is punctate calcifications and irregular margins. The increasing uh, likelihood of being malignant increases with uh, increasing uh, solid component of the uh, lesion. Punctate calcifications is the most suspicious type of calcification, followed by coarse or rim calcifications. Nodules without any calcifications have low risk of being malignant. And finally, taller than wide orientation on ultrasound is also associated with thyroid cancer. Uh, cancer. This is also similar to breast ultrasound feature for the uh, lesion orientation. So taller than white is suspicious. Punctate calcifications are most suspicious. Solid degree of solid component is most suspicious, and uh, punctate plus solid is most suspicious, especially with irregular margin. Regarding T1 and T2 signal of intracranial bleed. So this is specific for intracranial bleed. You cannot really uh, take it to different parts of the body for due to different reasons. Uh, but uh, we'll focus on the hyperacute and chronic. Prometheus and crack the core has a very nice table to help you remember it, unless you like to use mnemonics, which there are a couple online that you could refer to. But uh, we'll focus on the hyperacute, meaning less than 24 hours, and chronic. For hyperacute, the T1 signal of blood would be iso-intense, and the T2 signal for hyperacute blood is T2 bright. So T2 bright and T1 iso-intense iso is hyperacute blood. Anything chronic, meaning uh, over 14 days, it would be T1 dark and T2 dark. So it's for chronic blood, it's dark on T1 and T2, and for hyperacute, it's iso-intense on T1 and bright on T2, and this is when the bleeding is less than 24 hours. Morgagni hernia features, so it's a congenital diaphragmatic defect. They occur in the right cardiophrenic angle, and they typically contain intra-abdominal fat, but may contain bowel loops. This is opposed to Bach-de-Lac hernia, which is in the posterior 
uh, diaphragm. So B box the lock for back. Morgagni is anterior and right of the heart or uh, diaphragmatic side. Accepted threshold value for benign adrenal adenoma washout. So adrenal adenoma, if it does not have any uh, complicating features for the nodules, uh, so it's homogeneous. If the washout is greater than 60%, then it's considered an adenoma. If it's less, then it's indeterminate. Again, it, the nodule, the characteristics of the nodule have to be smooth, non-complex nodule for to use the washout features. Mass in the spinal cord containing both low and high signal intensity surrounded by a hypo-intense rim. So uh, hypo-intense rim with mixed high and low signal on T2. If they're showing you, and it would be a small contained mass adjacent to the spinal cord, pushing the spinal cord, it's almost like a cyst with mixed T2 signal and T2 dark rim. What they're trying to get to is spinal cord cavernous angioma. If you do have a spinal cord cavernous angioma, the next step that you might want to do is get a MRI of the brain because they might have uh, angiomas in the brain as well. Now, the mixed signal in the cyst is due to uh, acute bleed, and this correlates with worsening and resolutions of symptoms. So it's basically mass effect that causes their symptoms, and if the cavernous angioma bleeds, then they would have worsening of their symptoms, and as the hemorrhage resorbs, then the symptoms would improve. In regards to the middle ear bones, with the ice cream cone appearance, what part is the ice cream and what part is the cone? So the malleus is the ice cream on top of the cone and the incus is the cone. So C in the incus is for cone and malleus is the ice cream. When to suspect a dural tear, which would cause CSF leak. Obviously, if there is a traumatic pneumocephalus, if you see air in the uh, CSF spaces or the brain, if you see fluid in the mastoid air cells and air fluid level in the sphenoid sinus, these signs may represent tearing of the dura, which would cause CSF leak. Most common type of CNS AV fistula is the cavernous carotid fistula, and it may represent indirect fistulous communication, so a low flow state or a direct uh, fistulous communication which would be high flow, and this the high flow is typically due to trauma. So most common CNS AV fistula is the cavernous carotid fistula. We have two types uh, based on the flow, low flow and high flow. High flow is direct and traumatic in nature typically, and the indirect, which is the low flow states and atraumatic. Most common cause for epidural hematoma in the brain, it's injury to the middle meningeal artery and typically result from direct trauma to the temporal bone. Most common locations for meningiomas, so most common location is the parasagittal space. Other places include the convexities of the sphenoid wing and the cerebellopontine angle cistern. So uh, most common location, location for meningioma is the parasagittal, uh, can also be seen in the cerebellopontine angle and the sphenoid wing. Enhancement, enhancement pattern of 
vestibular schwannoma or acoustic neuroma, homogeneous enhancement and contrast. If it's multiple, it would be associated with neurofibromatosis type 2 and typically uh, occurs in the internal auditory canal at the cerebellopontine angle at the course of the eighth cranial nerve. So enhancement pattern for vestibular schwannoma is homogeneous enhancement.